Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome. We have been expecting you. <laughs> the Chaotic Sports Podcast is underway. And good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to a very special Halloween edition of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. My name is Patrick Brown, your host and content creator for this beautiful uh, podcast. We've got a lot to dive into today on this Halloween Eve. Hope everybody's having a great and safe weekend so far. If you went to Halloween parties, I hope you all had fun and and enjoying being out with your your friends and getting dressed up and whatnot. Um, let's just go ahead and get down to the to the topics. We've got uh, Dallas. Cowboys defense created chaos for the Detroit Lions last weekend. Only only holding the Detroit Lions scoring offense, number one scoring offense to just six points. Got Tampa Bay's chaos getting worse each week with all these losses that keep piling up. What's really going on in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady and this Buccaneers team as they try to figure this thing out moving forward? We've got Empire State of Mind. The Jets and Giants both have winning records. When was the last time this happened? And I'll give you my take on which team is likely going to make the playoffs and which team is probably going to fall off here soon, but we'll get to that here shortly. And, of course, you know, we got the Chaotic Truth Is, which is... The new segment I introduced last week got a lot of feedback on that and the melodramatic music that I played with it. So I got a, a new team this week, and you're gonna be you shouldn't be surprised of who it is. We got enough from the clown. This individual loves making this segment, so I'm not gonna tell you who it is because you can probably figure it out right now. We've got I'm giving you my top five horror movies of all time along with some honorable mention with it being Halloween upon tomorrow. Thought I'd have a little fun and, you know, try to make this an entertaining show for everybody. Uh, we got the week eight trick-or-treat picks. And, of course, if you have not subscribed to The Grid Sports Podcast Network on your podcasting platform or on YouTube, please do. Dare to be different. 
Step Into the Grid, the new leaders in digital media, sports, and entertainment. Let's get the show started, shall we? Up first, the Dallas Cowboys defense put on a show last week against the Detroit Lions in Dak Prescott's first game back. I have to tell you, the strength of this team is the defense, if you haven't figured it out yet. Micah Parsons, special. Sam Williams got in on the action, special. Dak Prescott looked pretty good, not blow the door off numbers for you. He had a touchdown near the end, but I think that the the play of the game, in my humble opinion, that pretty much was the change of the momentum was Micah Parsons chasing down, uh, I think it was uh, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, from the 20-yard line and got him down inside the, the goal line, which was basically saving a touchdown because it looked like it was going to be a touchdown. If Dan Campbell had challenged a spot on the field, it's probably going to be a touchdown, but they ran no huddle right there inside the one-yard line, and they turned it over, and that's all she wrote because the Dallas defense made a key stop, which was a shift of, of the momentum into their favor as Detroit was luckily looking to go up, I think it was 13 to 10 midway through the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. It may have somewhere along in there, but ladies and gentlemen, the Dallas Cowboys defense is likely going to be the story of this season. The offense is kind of a glaring, glaring red flag right now, but Playing the Bears today, so we're kind of hoping we get get going with against a team that you know put up 33 points against uh, Bill Belichick's defense last week. I'll save you the pick that I have for that game here shortly. But back to the Cowboys and Lions game, starting to run the ball a little bit better, in my humble opinion. Uh, Zeke, of course, you know, got banged up and was able to finish the game, and you know. We saw flashes of 2016 Zeke when he hurdled over the uh, Detroit defender. And is Zeke, we can, people can say all they want about Ezekiel Elliott, but Zeke does a lot for this team that doesn't really show up in the stat sheet. He's a very, very good uh, pass blocker, something that Tony Pollard's not real good with. Um, he's an extra lineman for Dak whenever, you know, give him that extra two or three seconds to throw the ball. He can still, you know, give you a solid game, not like 150, 100, you know, whatever he was averaging before he started to age a little bit. Tony Pollard is elusive and he can get between the tackles and, you know, he can break it. He can break it open for you. I still still trying to figure out this this receiving core. I, I honestly don't know what to tell you because. CD supposed to be the one A, but he's more of a two right now than he is a one. Michael Gallup is starting to get his legs back underneath of him, and I love the two tight ends that we have with you know Hendershot and um, uh, Ferguson. Those guys are like best friends to a degree because it's 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 pretty fun that you know those two guys are getting involved in the offense and the offense line starting to play a little bit better, but the story. The defense, Micah Parsons, my pick for defensive player of the year. He's got eight sacks already through 
eight games. Eight sacks through eight games. He's well on his way to averaging. He's might as well say 18, if not 20 sacks by the time we get the near the end of the season and could and could win the defensive player of the year. I I'm I would love to see somebody say that another defensive player is having a better season than Micah Parsons is right now. Demarcus Lawrence is starting to get get his legs under him. Not not much of a sack artist, but he's good in the run. I have no problem with that. Sam Williams is a diamond in the rough. I I love his energy. I love his motor. Ladies and gentlemen, Cowboys Nation, Dorrance Armstrong is having a better year than I had initially thought he would. And what's crazy is we haven't heard much on former Cowboy Randy Gregory since he went to Denver. I don't know it's because Denver's playing bad right now, but I believe Dorrance Armstrong kind of had a, a revival coming back to Dallas and proving that he was worth keeping versus uh, over Randy Gregory, who I loved and defended numerous times on social media because of you know him of this uh, admitting of you know the mental health aspect of it. But he went to Denver, and the and the grass hasn't been real green in the pasture for for Randy Gregory in Denver. But I'll save them for later in the show. But there there's there's a glaring issue for me as a Cowboys fan moving forward with this team offensively the Cowboys are going to have to score points as we get you know coming out of this bye you know after today got two weeks off and then we'll play the Green Bay Packers up in Lambeau Field and then the Minnesota Vikings the week after before the uh, Thanksgiving Day matchup against the you guessed it the the New York Giants, who have a winning record right now. This team will go as the defense goes. I need Dak Prescott to take it up another level. He's going to have to be a very, very good quarterback, if not better, going up against the teams that we're going to have to somehow beat. And he's going to use his arms as well as his legs. It comes down to play calling, if truth be told. Kellen Moore doesn't value the run as he should. And I think as we get into this playoff push, we're going to have to have everybody locked in and ready to go because the NFC is wide open right now. I mean, you've got the Eagles sitting atop of the NFC. And then as you go down the list, like Tampa Bay, they're they're in trouble. Uh, the Rams and Niners are equal across the board. The surprise team has been the Seattle Seahawks, who are in first place in the NFC West. Who would have thought that? Um, the Vikings are clearly probably the second best team in the NFC right now, and that's that's just being honest with you know the way Kirk Cousins is playing, running the football, and Justin Jefferson getting you know getting his touches and catches and whatnot. But that the game against Minnesota on the road. After the uh, Green Bay game, it's going to be, uh, I would say, a validation game for Dak Prescott. For some reason, we played the Minnesota Vikings pretty close. It's a back and forth game, but that's going to be the game that's going to be the tall tale of the Cowboys season if Dak Prescott can lead the Cowboys to win over a team that we likely could see in the playoffs, the Minnesota Vikings. Along with 
trying to, you know, get this offense going and the defense is going to carry this team. But what could go wrong can't go wrong for the Cowboys. I, I've, I'm keeping that in the back of my mind right now because when things are going good, guys start feeling themselves and then that's when the wheels come off the bus. You, you can go back to previous seasons and you'll see why. Because what we've seen with this team during the course of seasons past is inconsistency at times. In order to be a championship caliber team, you have to be consistent on both sides of the ball. With the balance of the run and the pass and the defense being able to stop the run is an appetite for success. But when the defense is on the field longer than what they should be, hang on one second. <coughs> Excuse me. Back to what I was saying. The Dallas defense is going to go as far as they can. But this offense, <coughs> excuse me, this offense has to be able to sustain drives. And that's no ifs, ands, or buts about this this Dallas Cowboys team. Because once we get into late November, early December, it's going to be separating the, the pretenders from the contenders, which I will try to do a segment on that as we get closer to the to the postseason you know, right, right around after Thanksgiving because it'll be the last quarter of the season and with the and everything but with the trade deadline coming up there's teams out there that's hunting and for some strange reason and my mindset I believe the Philadelphia Eagles are going to try to trade for Alvin Kamara if the Saints can uh, get their first round pick back I, I honestly believe that and if the Saints trade Kamara to the Eagles, it's a wrap for the NFC East. Um, I know that sounds harsh right now being a Cowboys fan, and it, it makes me sick to my stomach. But this is Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, and uh, Howie Roseman, the GM, saying, F them picks, we're going for this NFC, we're going for it this year. Dallas is sitting pat like, okay, we, we've got guys on our roster and, you know, been talks of Odell Beckham Jr. and how Jerry admires him and whatnot, but I'll believe it when I see it. But nevertheless, I mean, if, if we could get James Washington back and some of these guys that's on Pup right now and, you know, with the addition of Jonathan Hankins, because we know what's coming, Cowboys Nation. We know what's coming. You're going to have, you need that run stuffer. That's going to, you know, put some weight on the back end to help, you know, get create the pressure on the outside with the back seven. You're going to need that run stopper. And we know what's coming. And that was a move that needed to be made by this this front office by, you know, acquiring Jonathan Hakins from the, the Las Vegas Raiders. But nevertheless, Cowboys Nation, let, let's try to enjoy this season. Let's, you know, rally around this defense. And if the offense can get it going, I'm all for it. But Kellen Moore has to be very, very consistent with his play calling because when you, whenever we get ready to play these teams that can score points in bunches, we're not going to have time to waste and, and possessions. You've got to get the most out of your possessions. You win the down, win the possession, not the game. Don't play a full game in the first half and then you slack off in the second half, which has been a an ongoing trend for this team for as long as I can remember because when you 
you can play good against bad teams, but when you have to go up against good teams, it's it leaves little to the imagination that it's you feel confident going into it. And as a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan since nineteen ninety one, there's something I want to get off my chest. Winning the NFC East has become the normal for this team. That is not the norm as I remember back in the nineties during the Super Bowl you know, going to going to Super Bowls every every year. If the front office had as much passion and a sense of urgency like the fan base does, we could have had a couple more Super Bowls. But when you play a salary cap bowl every year, it, it doesn't make any sense because you're pretty much saying you value your picks, you value your guys, but when these guys ain't on the field and you want them to play in Crucial situations is a is a bad turn of events. Nevertheless, I believe that there's a move that could be made during the deadline. I don't know if it'll happen, but my gut tells me that Jerry's got something up his sleeve, but it's yet to be seen because we all know Jerry likes to to talk. And when he talks, everybody's eyes and ears zero in. Well, well, what's Jerry going to do? I'll believe him when I see it. But for now, let's let's just try to get some consistency going into this bye week and then make a turn, run the tables in the NFC and hopefully that the, the chips will fall in our direction. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What is going on in Tampa right now? Seriously. This was not the season that I had expected from Tom Brady coming back for his 23rd. There's a whole lot to to dive into with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. They started 3-1. They've lost four straight, including back-to-back losses to the Carolina Panthers this past Sunday. And then to the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night. I had picked the Bucks to win, but man, if there's one key component that I see is missing right now, and I could be wrong, if someone was you know willing to tell me that I'm right, I'm I won't have no problem with you telling me that. Bruce Arians was the key component to the Buccaneers' success the last two years. Tom Brady is in unfamiliar territory right now in in, in his career. The personal stuff has been well-documented. Him and Giselle finalized their divorce, and I wish those two nothing but the best, but man, Todd Bowles looks worse and worse every week with this defense. Byron Leftwich doesn't, doesn't look like he knows how to call plays. It, it almost seems like somebody's going to be the scapegoat at the end of the season. And I have a feeling that it's going to be both Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, and Todd Bowles, the offensive coach. This is a disaster, ladies and gentlemen. This is really the Buccaneers. Maybe this is who they are. They've had an up and down season. Tom Brady is under 500 for the first time since 2002 when he was at the New England Patriots in his first full season as the starter. 
that's been, I was shocked and blown away when I had read that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Over 20, I mean, 21 out of the, or 22 out of the 23 years that Tom Brady was a starting quarterback, he only had one season below 500. This is only the second one. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe we took Tom uh, Tom Brady's greatness for granted, and now we're starting to see him finally fall off a cliff, but I'm not going to discredit what he done in the past. I'm only going to address what's happening now. Tom Brady's had some bad games over the course of eight weeks. The the national media will kind of moonwalk and sidestep Tom Brady's bad games because of, you know, the seven Super Bowls and the MVPs and the comeback, you know, game-winning drives and all that stuff. But when he plays a bad game, I don't see that same energy as if it were a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, uh, some of your elite quarterbacks in the league right now. I don't see that same energy. But if there's one NFL Hall of Famer and commentator that brings that energy is Shannon Sharp from Undisputed. He calls it like it is. And I love it because Shannon Sharp is not going to, you know, give you no bull jive every every morning on the show. If a player plays bad, he's going to call it out. If they play good, he give them his props. It just seems like we're so accustomed to Tom Brady not being a bad, you know, having bad games. It's like, man, I mean, how do we go about this? You can go about this without being unbiased because every player has their their bad game. And Tom Brady's had several over the last eight weeks. And I don't, I don't see that same energy because it's almost like they're afraid to do it because it's Tom Brady, the GOAT. But every GOAT athlete has their, the wheels come off the bus. The chain comes off the saw, off the bicycle, however you want to put it. You have to call a spade a spade regardless of how you feel about the player. And for me, I've just been sitting back watching and, and studying like, man, this is, I mean, Julio Jones is past his prime. Those hamstrings are are, are shot. Chris Godwin's still trying to work his way through a, a an ACL injury. Mike Evans are bust is what this team is revolving around. Kyle Rudolph hasn't had much of an impact. The offensive line's been banged up. And Scotty Miller, I haven't heard much about him through the course of the season either. The defense started off looking really good, and now they've done look they look a shell of themselves, if truth be told. They are bad. I thought their this defense was like among the top five best defenses in football. I know over the last four games that it that's been that's been a disaster. And I've been <laughs> everybody's been saying, well, Gronk should come out and save Brady. I don't think Gronk's coming back. I, I honestly don't believe he's coming back to save Tom Brady. Everybody was like, yeah, if there's one player that he can trust that's reliable. But Gronk, feel, I think Gronk's at peace right now, you know, doing, you know, the Fox NFL um, pregame stuff and all that. He's at peace, you know, not knowing to put, you know, put his body through all that, 
that grind and wear and tear, but in the world of sports, you never know. But this Buccaneers team uh, defenses, or this team in general, I think they can turn it around. But they're going to have to they're going to have to make some moves, roster moves, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to have to improve this team over the next two weeks with the trade deadline coming up. You have to do that. You have to look at this roster and say it's not good enough to compete with any teams in the NFC. They've got the Rams coming up. That's not going to be a, a game that they can win. We know that Matthew Stafford is been up and down, but I would give the Rams a legitimate chance to beat the Buccaneers in Tampa whenever they play. That, ladies and gentlemen, can pretty much can the Buccaneers season. And that NFC South right now is wide open. The Falcons and the Panthers, whoever wins this game today, will have sole possession of first place in NFC South. The worst division in football right now. Because who would have thought that a Tom Brady-led team would be below 500 and all this adversity in his personal life is affecting his play on the field as well as his mental health. But, man, I really don't know about the Bucks. I just hope for the sake of the great Tom Brady that this front office makes some moves to go get him some help. Seriously. I, I mean that wholeheartedly and honestly that they need to make a big splash over the next two weeks Go get a a Cam Akers from the Rams or you got to do something. You have to do something to give Tom Brady a chance to get this team going in the right direction after this this, uh, trade deadline and over the next, you know, three weeks or so. Just do that. Do that for the sake of the GOAT. They could win that division, but it's going to take more than Tom Brady to win that division and host a playoff game and what could be the last time we see Tom Brady on the field unless he miraculously comes back for a 24th season that salvaged what's already happened this year the Buccaneers ship is sinking just like the Broncos ship is sinking right now into the Atlantic uh, into the Atlantic Ocean I just hope for the sake of argument that somebody and their right mind, they have a come to Jesus meeting, the offense and the defense. Iron this stuff out. Pay, do what you have to do to prepare yourself to be better football players for the second for the playoff push. If not, I don't think I would be able to phantom or stomach the fact that the great Tom Brady is not in the postseason. That would feel really awkward. It's just like when LeBron James is not in the postseason for the NBA playoffs, it'll it'll feel very strange not having Tom Brady in the postseason. That that would be hard to to phantom. And what we've always seen, the, the model of consistency and let's go, and something's missing with Tom. Hopefully now that the personal stuff is kind of, you kind of settled down a little bit, Maybe he'll get going, but I, I just hope for the sake of argument that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do something. They they have to. They, they've got to get this thing going in the right direction. And it starts with Todd Bowles, the head coach, from all the way down to the last guy on the roster. Moving on to 
an empire state of mind. The New York Jets and Giants have winning records for the first time in forever. I find that difficult to believe. But man, the the Jets, Sauce Gardner is as good as advertised. I, I have been impressed with this young man. This Jets team has found their niche in a crowded AFC. The Giants, who would have thought that Brian Dable would come in and they would just be where they're at right now. They are, they to me, the Giants, they've only got one loss. And it's to my Dallas Cowboys. The Giants are relying heavily on Saquon Barkley. They've got a good defense. But it's just, do you trust Daniel Jones to make the plays that he has to make? That he doesn't have much of a receiving core. Kenny Galladay is kind of, he's, he's hiding right now. They they just traded uh, Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs. That's kind of a blow to the receiving core. But the Giants and the Jets, if I had to pick a team right now that could make the playoffs, I would go at the Jets. The Jets, to me, can run the table and be one of those teams that sneaks into the into the wild card game and upset. The, the the four seed or a three seed. They they have the capability of doing that. I believe that Robert Sala has done a, a an excellent job in his I think it's his second season as the head coach of the Jets. To me, I think when they play Buffalo, that game to me is gonna have a playoff implications. You know why? Because whoever wins that game I think can probably win the AFC East as a whole. The Jets have already beat Miami and they've yet to play Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. But when those two teams match up, uh, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, Zach Wilson's been pretty good. Uh, I know they lost Brees Hall to an ACL injury. They acquired James Robinson. The offensive line still, it's decent. You know, got Elijah more and Denzel Mims and uh Corey Davis but it's that's the one area of the team that I feel is kind of a red flag is the receiving core right now because you, you really don't know the where Elijah Moore is right now he requ- may have requested a trade uh Denzel Mims had requested a trade in the offseason and I mean Zach Wilson's kind of gotten back into a groove but I think they're going to, you know, rely on their defense. Their defense is, is good. Uh, Sauce Gardner, like I said, is as good as advertised. The, Jermaine Johnson has been a fairly good draft pick for them out of Florida State, the defensive end. But I, I think between the Jets and Giants right now, I, I would take the Jets to play spoiler in the postseason. They're going to give uh, that three seed or four seed uh, a run for it, however their record may fall. Because I, I believe that they can do that. They're going to make it interesting. As far as the Giants, they've got, they still got a ways to go. I mean, Brian Dable, probably the lead candidate for coach of the year in his first season. Do I believe they can make the playoffs? They can. But how bad do they want it? Because it's going to come down to Daniel Jones. If you got to rely on Daniel Jones to make a play with his arm, that's an appetite for disaster because 
Saquon Barkley has been playing fairly well. If Saquon goes down, that's it for the Giants. They they have no other offense outside of Saquon. Daniel Jones has been playing okay, but I don't trust his arm and whenever it, it's time to go make a play. Brian Dable has been playing to Daniel Jones' strengths and he's kind of found his, his role as a quarterback. But this is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. This is a decision that the Giants have to make this season if Daniel Jones is... They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so he's betting on himself. Saquon's up for a new contract as well. So it's kind of like damned if you do and damned if you don't because is there a quarterback right now in the draft next year that's that's going to be worthy of taking in the first round? I mean, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee is balling right now, who is my pick to be the Heisman Trophy winner. You've got... Uh, the quarterback up in uh, C.J. Shroud in, in, at Ohio State. You got the uh, quarterback from Kentucky. and I mean, you, it's just it's a slim picking in the quarterback position right now going into the draft. So the Giants, as a organization, they're going to evaluate Daniel Jones at the end of the season in order to make a decision to bring him back for, you know, take give him a, maybe a smaller contract, but... This is it for him in New York. If he can keep this team above 500, I I think they have no other choice but to bring Daniel Jones back because what other options do you have? Because if you don't bring him back and you go in a different direction, then who's to say the quarterback that that you take doesn't pan out the first year and then you're wasting a season Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But nevertheless, I believe that the Jets have a better chance of making the playoffs. The Giants have a long way to go. And it's going to be interesting whenever they get to this playoff push to see if they can keep, you know, stay above, you know, 500 because they still got to play the, the Commanders and the Eagles twice. And they're playing Seattle today on the road in Seattle after playing in Jacksonville last week, in which was a crucial stop by their defense as, you know, time expired to beat the Jaguars last weekend. But the the Jets, go Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 as they continue this flight and this little streak that they go on. But shout out to the fellas over at Fan Perspective Podcast, John Rivera and, and Henny Dre, Go check their podcast out as well on, on YouTube and your podcasting platforms. And Albert Parsar Jr., who's the host of the Rocket Fuel, uh, a New York Jets podcast on the Grid Sports Podcast Network. They're, those guys are Jets fans, and I've bought stock on the Jets for this year. And hopefully my pick is right in the next few weeks that the Jets will be in the playoffs come January, either as a as a four seed or excuse me, not a, f- a five or six seed and playing spoiler to one of the, the three seed or the four seed in the uh, AFC playoff picture. 
Alrighty, time for the my new segment that I got a lot of feedback on last week. Uh, the chaotic truth is, but before we do that, I want to go ahead and get this segment out of the way. Enough from the clown. I'm just going to get this segment out of the way before we get to the chaotic truth is because this this individual has made that that made the segment uh, the last two out of the last three times I've I've had this segment. But without further ado, I'm going to let the great uh, actor Michael J. White introduce the enough from the clown segment. Enough from the clown. Enough from the clown. Yes, enough from the clown. And this week's winner is, you guessed it, Antonio Brown. Welcome back to enough from the clown segment winner. You are the winner this week, Antonio Brown. As you all know, AB is the king of trolling. And he sent out a meme last week. Well, not, yeah, I don't know. No, it was a tweet. And he was taking shots at, you know, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady after they lost to the Carolina Panthers. And the tweet read, Tampon Bay and Tom Booty. I cannot make this up. And then he ended the tweet with, you dig. Yes, A.B., we see you. It's a good thing you're not on the football field. It really is. I, I've i actually have enjoyed myself and being able to watch football games without you being an idiot. But since you have nothing else better to do with your free time but to troll Tom Brady and your former teammate, uh, your team, the Buccaneers, I, I want to say this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Antonio Brown, Tom Brady went to bat for you more than any player has in throughout your career. This man lets you stay in his house in Tampa. He you he lets you move in with him so you can be on your best behavior. It was okay. You got along. Y'all won a Super Bowl together. And then the wheels came off. We all know what you pulled last year and what you've been doing in the offseason. Trolling Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and diving into his his personal matter with, you know, his wife Giselle and everything they're going through right now. You had the nerve to get on a podcast. I don't know what podcast it was, but he was asked about taking shots at Tom Brady and he said it is what it is. Well, it is what it is that uh the GOAT let you stay with him and try to keep you going in the right direction and that's the thanks you return to him Antonio Brown enough of you for the last time I hope but we all know that you can't act right whenever you get in front of a microphone and camera we all know this you're you love to talk you're luckily that you're not facing any more lawsuits at the moment for that little stunt you pulled over in Dubai you know gotten your you naked behind all up in that, you know, woman's face and all that, showing them your your growing area and at the hotel pool. You're luckily you're not facing charges for that. But when push comes to shove, it seems like 
Antonio Brown just has to remind us just how much of a clown he is every week. And that's nothing new under the sun. Um, I hope that this is the last time that I talk about AB that's not football related. And it's not stupidity, but in the world of social media, we're always going to see something that AB said or tweeted out. And we're going to sit here and we're talking about it. It's kind of difficult to explain to kids how an athlete who was on Hall of Fame trajectory and threw it all away for stupidity and his shenanigans and immature childish behavior. We're going to get to a point where AB's not going to be welcomed anywhere. He's best friends with Kanye West right now. He's the president over uh, the Donda Sports. Uh, uh, I didn't know that until a few weeks ago. And speaking of which, he released a statement about what was going on with Kanye and his his whole the backlash that he received for his comments and his anti-Semitic comments and whatnot. And I read the statement. I was like, "There's no way in hell that he wrote that statement. It was too articulate. It was. It was like this is not AB's writing. This is this doesn't sound like AB. This sounds like someone said, okay." We're going to make sure we get this right because if you say something, it's going to be, the context is going to be taken out of proportion. Credit to the individual that released the statement and it was on AB social media. But my God, it's like, if you don't distance yourself from Kanye West right now, people are not going to be affiliated with you. But that's the only way you can stay relevant in sports is being best friends with Kanye. Like I said, it's a match made in genius hell with those two. Kanye and AB found one another for a reason. And I hope that AB stays away from the football field. I don't want to have to talk about him on my show. Unless something catastrophic happens. If we are looking at a legal situation. But I'm not going to really go into that with the legal aspect. Whatever may occur. Because it's, like it's every year with AB with the um the lawsuits and whatnot but for him to still be affiliated with Kanye West is kind of a it's 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 like a dark cloud just 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 lowers itself to AB as this goes on I don't condone any type of hate speech toward anybody I I don't and what was surfacing on social media with Elon Musk you know, uh, uh, pretty much making the Twitter sale a, a, a done deal. Some of the racial stuff that I was seeing, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way that hate speech is still being spewed on social media. And it, for me, being a mental health, uh, recovering mental health patient, there's days that I don't even want to get on social media because of the, the, the of all the stuff that's being spread hate speech and all these rhetorics is like if you don't know the facts about something don't say nothing at all because someone else you posting some posting something is something you don't hear from someone else so it's it's not all the way factual to a to a degree if you've done your research i i'm not gonna say discredit you discredit that but Social media is a blessing and a curse. It's good to promote your your podcast platforms, your your businesses, but there's also a fine line between free speech and hate speech. 
hate speech has consequences. It's something that we as a society need to be more cautious of in the world we live in. Because tweets and Instagram posts could come back to bite us in the rear one way or another. So if I see anybody being hateful on my the, my Twitter page and my Twitter feed and Instagram, I'm, I'm likely going to unfollow you or block you because I don't have time to try to figure out what you're saying and what your message is behind what you're saying. We have to be better. And I think with the whole anti-Semitic stuff that's going on, it's, it's just more stress and chaos that's going to ensue because now it feels like it's being, you know, it's it's brought into a broader light now. And the racial epithets that I saw from just screenshots of, of different people on Twitter, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I, I was like, I, I was shocked that Elon Musk is going to allow this on Twitter I have a problem with that, in all honesty. I really do, because, like I said, there's no room in this society for hate speech. There's not. We're already we're in a world where words have consequences. What you say can be used against you and keep you from getting jobs and careers later on because of something you post on social media. So words to the wise... Please be very cautious with your social media platforms, please, for the sake of everyone else, because you don't realize that you trigger traumatic and uh, anxiety with your posts that spews hate speech. It rubs people the wrong way. It it does more damage than you think. So, like I said, I don't have time for hate speech. I'm I'm sitting I wa- I welcome all walks of life to my to my platforms. I will not tolerate hate speech. I will not tolerate racism, nor will I to- tolerate anti-Semitic towards other communities. It's it's not it's not worth it. And as a as a black man in America, it there's a whole lot that still needs to be addressed in our society and hopefully that you know Elon Musk and everybody you know involved in this whole Twitter sale and everything that they really crack down on this because it's 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 bad right now and there may be days I may not even want to be on there and take sabbatical so if you don't see me tweeting you know why Alrighty, now that we got that out of the way I'm going to do The Chaotic Truth Is. And this team that I'm going to talk about this week is, I'll I'll put it to you like this. They've, they've pretty much been just, they've pretty much been a fraud for a few years. And that team, ladies and gentlemen, is the Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur is not a head coach. I'm trying to figure out if 
those 13 win seasons he had over those three years from 2019 to uh, 2021, were they a fluke? Aaron Rodgers hid a lot of the flaws with this team. And now we're seeing Matt LaFleur look like he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. Aaron Rodgers is a is playing really bad. He's not called out his receivers. He done called out everybody on the team just about but himself. One thing we do know about Aaron Rodgers, he lacks leadership skills. He lacks self-awareness. If Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, just to name a few off the top of my head, had called everybody out, everybody out on the team except himself, the firestorm, the backlash that would follow for throwing everybody else under the bus except him. As we all know, Aaron Rodgers is a kooky, weird individual the last few years from what I can see. The Green Bay Packers are, they are the classic case of high-end, successful team, low rewarding. It makes me feel like that the Packers are probably going to blow this team up after this season. Not having Devontae Adams as your number one receiver, there's a reason why Devontae Adams went to the Las Vegas Raiders to join forces with his college teammate Derek Carr. 200 million reasons why I felt like the Packers were not going to be a good team this year. So far, I've been right. There was a lot of people high on the Packers because, you know, yeah, there's you still got Aaron Rodgers. Who's he going to throw the ball to? Devontae Adams is gone. You got a Sammy Watkins who cannot stay on the field to save his life. His career is pretty much done. Got Alan Lazard. Uh, uh, Christian Watson, who's a rookie. And Tunyon's working his way back. Offensive line is decent. The defense is hit and miss. You still got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's it. Aaron Rodgers, it may be the greatest thrower of the football and holds all the, whatever you want to call it. He's built his reputation throughout his career off of what the media has said about him. But when it's time to lead, Aaron Rodgers leads himself and not nobody else. It's not a franchise quarterback in my opinion. You've got your head coach chicken like a dummy every week. And I don't think he even knows what he's getting himself into most of the time. So I'm starting to question their their partnership. Is Matt LaFleur really that bad of a coach? Is we're seeing it. His counterpart, who was the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, we've seen what he's about over the last several weeks. But the Green Bay Packers, they're, I don't think they make the playoffs. I don't. That That's just the chaotic truth. I don't believe they're making the playoffs. Not not right now. Not this season. Aaron Rodgers got what he wanted. He got more money. He uses that he used that as leverage for the Packers to push all their chips to the table. Even though he's back to back league MVP, he's only got one Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. One. And it's been over a decade since they won that. And that was back in 2011 when Mike McCarthy was the head coach. Aaron Rodgers is one. And four, 
in NFC playoff games, NFC championship games. One of you can't make this stuff up. Aaron Rodgers, great regular season, but Aaron Rodgers in the postseason is not that good, and the records speak for itself. I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I always thought there was something fraudulent about him over the last decade or so. Because everybody is like he got coddled. He got coddled because when, when the going got bad, they always had Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers bailed him out. But when the team failed to fell to launch, it's everybody's fault but Aaron's. And that's not a franchise quarterback in my humble opinion. So if I'm the Green Bay Packers, is Jordan Love your quarterback of the future moving forward? No, he's not. If you think Jordan Love is going to come in next year and be your starter, you're, you're, you're dead wrong on that one. You might as well go out and draft a quarterback in the first round. Because Aaron Rodgers is going to find a scapegoat at the end of the season. And it's probably going to be his head coach. He would throw his head coach under the bus. It would make Mac LaFleur look like a dummy. Like he is right now. He deflates blame to everyone else except himself. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But he'll go on the Pat McAfee show every week and, and do what he does. And then he'll come to the media and lie through his teeth. One thing we do know about Aaron Rodgers, he's immunized from the postseason. That's a fact. Go back to last year. He talked all that about wanting, he wanted the NFC to come through Lambeau and he didn't want to have to travel. They lost a divisional playoff game to the 49ers and only gave only scored 10 points. 10 points, ladies and gentlemen. 49ers, as much incompetence as they have with Jimmy Garoppolo, went to Green Bay and, and beat the Packers in that cold, frigid, snowy divisional game last year in Lambeau. That, to me, right there was the undoing of the Green Bay Packers. Because this team failed on many levels. Giving Aaron Rodgers all that money didn't amount to nothing. They went back-to-back NFC Championship games in 2019 and 2020. Devontae Adams didn't know if he could sign a big contract and Aaron Rodgers being wishy-washy about retirement. But there's always this one thing. Aaron Rodgers knows how to manipulate the media into buying into his little game and playing with it. And it's then costing. It's cost the team success. You would think, as great as he is, the greatest thrower of the football, and the greatest quarterback, not of all time, but the greatest thrower of the football we've ever seen, according to the media, why haven't they went back to the Super Bowl? I don't want to hear 
that the defense didn't do this. The coaching staff didn't do that. It starts and ends with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has failed them. You gave him all that money. And you have nothing to show for it. Nothing. Nothing at all. He's making $50 million this year. And and the Packers are sitting in the middle of the pack. No pun intended. They got a game tonight in Buffalo. I'll give you my score prediction for that game here in a little bit. But as we as we really get into the second half of the season, I think the Packers are on trajectory to finish in seven and ten. I think they are. It's gonna be seven and ten or eight and nine. Because the Vikings are likely going to win the NFC North. That's that's just the truth. For whatever reason, the Packers miss the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers probably retires. And the Green Bay Packers will go into full rebuild. It would also give them time to evaluate Matt LaFleur as a head coach. And what they do at the quarterback position. For me, as a football fan... If I were in the Packers front office, you're going to have to draft a quarterback that you're going to have for a decade plus. Whoever that may be, you're going to have to rebuild this offensive line. And you're really going to have to spend some money in a very competitive NFL. Because we've seen teams in the past that trade away picks to go get players that's going to help them win now. Green Bay is a very small market. They're not going to get a whole lot of big name free agents. They have to build their team through the draft. And once Aaron Rodgers is done playing, that's it. The Packers should just be a, a, a middle-of-the-road team. They will. It feels like Aaron Rodgers' career is murky to, a, to an extent. Aaron Rodgers is slowly but surely falling from being... You know, an elite quarterback. That's just facts. That's just a chaotic truth. As 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 a as a pain in the side as he's been from my Cowboys. You know, going back to twenty, you know, twenty fourteen, that divisional game in which we all know Des caught the ball. My disdain for Aaron Rodgers started then, and I've always said if if you're gonna beat be a Super Bowl contender, a title contender in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is the one quarterback you have to beat. And that's that's just being honest. And now this is the opportunity for the NFC to cash in on taking an opportunity to destroy what's left of Aaron Rodgers' career as we speak right now in Green Bay. Because I believe this is it for him. He may retire, but we don't know. Unless there's a team out there that's that needs a quarterback, that's not sure if a quarterback in the draft is going to, you know, be there that they can develop. But in all honesty, I think he will retire. I don't think there's a team out there that will want him because they're not trying to deal with all the bull jive with him and the media. Nevertheless, the the Green Bay Packers. Are not making the playoffs. And that is the chaotic truth. The chaotic truth is. 
This segment, to me, I have a lot of fun with. And if you can hear the Titanic music in the background, I got a lot of feedback from it. So I'll probably keep this segment on the show moving forward. Now that we've got that out of the way, I like to do a special treat for you guys. Um, Halloween is not a favorite holiday of mine, but as a someone who watches a lot of older movies and television shows and things of that nature, I thought that it was only right that I put together my uh, top five horror movies of all time with some honorable mentions. I really I really put this list together because there's a whole lot of stuff people may not know about me and I'm like I'm an introvert by fault and I'm very quiet at times. I'm I'm more of a silent I'm an an observant for the most part. So we'll go ahead and get our music cued here. Well, we'll save the music for a little bit. Um, Halloween to me is, I, I would say, I as a child, I, I didn't mind wearing costumes, but I had a traumatic experience as, as a child with this particular holiday, because paranormal activity is real. And the reason why I say that, back whenever I was a, a child, about, I'd say I was about maybe five years old, six, somewhere along up in there. And we were at my grandparents' house for, it was the Sunday after Halloween because the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror is usually aired right the Sunday after uh, the World Series concludes. It's the first Sunday of November. And of course, it was me, my brother, and my cousin. We were, you know, running and playing and it got dark outside and, and of course, you know, you know, kids being kids, you know, sometimes you have to remind them that if you don't do something, this will happen. Me being kind of, you know, naive, I listened, but I didn't. My brother and my cousin, they were you know, ripping and running throughout the house, and, and my, my grandmother has said, well, y'all, y'all better get somewhere and get still, not the, uh, the boogeyman's gonna get you, you know, when you're a kid, you, you think that's hilariously funny, because, like, yeah, right, that, that does, he, that doesn't exist, that's, that's just fiction, that's just a movie, well, that was, that was strike one, strike two, said it again, and by this time, I was sitting in in the recliner, minding my own business. My brother and my cousin, on the other hand, were still ripping and running throughout the house. Strike three, nobody listened. Lo and behold, we saw this dark, shadowy figure go across the front of the house, through the window, and next thing you know, I think it was my brother or my cousin were near the front door and there was this, we had this Pee Wee Herman doll. I kid you not. Yes, Pee Wee Herman was a 
real popular show back in the day, Pee Wee's Playhouse on Yuskomo Television. And we had this doll, and we were playing with it. We saw something come in through the front door. We broke and run. I think my grand, uh, my grandpa was sitting on the couch. I can still remember to this very day was sitting on the couch. My cousin and my brother jumped up in his lap and was climbing all over the couch. And I'm like, I get behind, out of the recliner and hide behind it. And the Pee Wee Herman doll disappeared into thin air. I cannot make this up. To this very day, we haven't seen that doll since this is this is a true story this is not something that i wrote before i came onto my show it really happened and to a certain degree every time i see a Wee herman doll somewhere it it opens up that wound again like i i don't like looking at it because there's something about that doll was very strange but whenever my grandparents moved out of the the old trailer and got their new house and you know tearing everything down i told one of my cousins i said you know what's what's strange is that doll has been gone for over 20 something years if that doll had magically appeared after we tore the old house down i probably would took off running like like michael johnson in a track meet i i kid you not i would have run until i couldn't run no more because that that is a, a traumatic experience that I that I had pertaining to Halloween. And I'm not a fan of haunted houses by any stretch of the imagination. I am not a fan of going any place where there's been, you know, people that I'm not a fan of just just haunted houses in period in general because that stuff is real because when I hear people talk about, oh, they're going to the haunted houses, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I, I don't want it to trigger my anxiety. I, I really don't because I experienced that traumatic event in my life. And then another experience that I had as a child was when we, the county fair, I made the mistake of going into the haunted fun house at the fair. That alone scared me as a kid. And I never went back to any kind of fun houses, whether if it was Christmas, Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm good. Y'all, y'all can have the fun houses, but be mindful due to my spiritual awakening and my convictions. I don't do haunted houses. I, I don't. I, I don't because it's always been said if whatever was in whatever's in there can jump on you and you can take it back to your house and it will create havoc. I'm just being my just be mindful if you do go to those kind of places. But for me, if any of my friends ask me if I want to go, I'm good. Y'all, y'all go have fun. Don't hold, hold, stay safe. You know, I don't. I want to go to an old state hospital that they turn into a haunted house or a courthouse. There's anything like that because I I I can't do it. It triggers my anxiety. And enough was, you know, innocence was taken that particular moment after experiencing that but i do like some of the movies i like the older movies some of the new ones are they're okay but i'm old school give me the the graphic effects and everything that was original and creative there's too much cgi in 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 movies now but i put together this little list for y'all and we're going to start with the honorable mention go ahead and get our music here let's see here uh, here we go. 
get our music going here. And we're going to do... Here we go. All right. I'm going to give you my my top five horror movies of all time along with my honorable mention horror movies honorable mention Nightmare on Elm Street part 4 which was the follow up to part 3 one of the better movies in the series for the fans starring the legendary man himself Robert England as the boogeyman Freddy Krueger and for me Nightmare on Elm Street series was very interesting it was very it was different but part 4 in that franchise was arguably the best one in my humble opinion probably second best Leprechaun yeah you would think a Leprechaun would be scary but the legendary and great actress Jennifer Aniston was in that movie in Leprechaun and that's the first time that I had seen Jennifer Aniston in a movie and if you've seen the movie Leprechaun that little that little critter was scary looking I'll say that much. As a kid, and I watched that for the first time, I was scared. I ain't gonna lie. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Leprechaun movie was, it was sinister and menacing. Menacing, but it was still a good movie. I liked the first one. Tales from the Hood is a hidden gem of the horror movie genre. It was executive produced by Spike Lee back in 1995. Uh, the story of a group of young men, three young men who went to a morgue to rob it and then end up, you know, the, the legendary Clarence Williams III was get, telling them the stories of greed and corruption in, the, in, the, in a town that you know wish they lived in very interesting movie a lot of dark scenes in the movie it's been a while since i've seen it i've got the blu-ray the soundtrack was amazing uh, amazing hip-hop soundtrack of the 90s um it was it was a little weird but in order to understand it that perspective because it touches a lot on uh racism and and police brutality and it, it touches on a whole lot of stuff that, you know, they combine into a horror movie in these, in these short tales, which Clarence Williams III was the mortician and gives these young men a, a different perspective on on life in general in order to keep them going down some of the paths that those individuals went through. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's a darker tone to the movie. And it's, it's one that 
some people tend to forget about because some may have not seen it but if you ever get a chance to see it i recommend it you it's it's a pretty good movie if you can if you can find it on 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 your uh streaming services but I, i've got the blue right now i plan on watching it again here soon freddy versus jason the two slashers in one movie this movie was very entertaining freddy and jason who knew this movie was years in the making from going back to the last uh the last friday the 13th movie which was uh jason goes to hell which was the last of the friday the 13th trilogy uh, they're in that franchise i should say it was entertaining because you had two of the more iconic horror movie characters in one movie the, the elm street kids didn't know whether to stay awake or you know try to you know stay you know, go to sleep or stay awake because they were tormented by jason Voorhees and freddie so case in point we know how the movie ends the the heroine who uh i can't think of the, the lady's name Lori. that's her name Lori defeats freddie and in the, the final battle actually was jason that defeated freddie but the movie ends with a a cliffhanger because at the end of the movie jason Voorhees is packing freddie's head and then freddie uh winks his eye because it was like it was an even draw but it was pretty cool to see both of those in the same movie together that was uh fall of 2003 because i went to go see it in theaters with my cousin we went to go see it that particular evening and i got a good kick out of that because i thought that was it's like wow i was like i wasn't really scared but the people that were in there were screaming i'm like ah this ain't nothing you know <laughs> you know i was 17 years old so i was like ah this movie ain't gonna be scary at all i, I got this you know it was i think it was more of a of a comedy than a scared movie but the movie did fairly well in the box office it did really well i was pretty pretty impressed with it it chapter 13 or yeah it chapter one from 2018 it was the remake of the classic stephen king uh movie and slash book if you've never seen the original with tim curry it's decent but when they rebooted it and and they did it in 2018 man you want to see some gore that movie was pretty gory in a sense where the kill scenes were more dramatic you felt them the guy that played pennywise the clown nailed it the dude was he was a sensational pennywise i got to see the sec the sequel the following year and it was decent i i liked it but the very first one of that one was 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 really awesome. There's a reason <laughs> to this day I, I'm not a fan of clowns after seeing it. I, I kid you, <laughs> I kid you not. I don't really care for red balloons. I just look at them like, uh, why does it remind me of it? Because something always happens when a, when a red balloon busts in that movie. It was it was like a warning before destruction. And Pennywise was just. He was very, he was very cruel. It was a menace, sinister. I mean, terrorize 
a group of kids in a small town and even terrorized them as they were adults because they never forgot about it. But nevertheless, it chapter one from 2018, pretty good. It's it's really good. If you haven't seen that one, I recommend it. All right, now to the top five horror movies of all time, my list. Number five, Candyman, the OG version from 1992. This movie in general was, it was strange because I really didn't quite understand the story until recently when I went back and watched it again. It's, it's, it's pretty messed up in all honesty. It's pretty messed up. Tony Todd did a phenomenal job of, of portraying the character. He really did. Virginia Madsen, she's she's a she's a sensational actress well actress as well. And as a kid growing up, that was one of the things that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It was like how how can they make movies like this? And you know, it just gives you a different perspective on different things that's going on in our society. And I think it was one of those movies that did that. Um, a man that was draped in honey and then stung by a bunch of bees. And he had a hook on his right hand. That was scary. That that was scary because I, I never want to look in mirrors after seeing that movie as well. <laughs> I know that sounds, you know, crazy, but... When you're a kid growing up, that's something your parents will say. Don't don't say don't say his name in the mirror like that because bad things could probably happen. And to me, Candyman is one of those movies that pretty much kind of reshaped the horror movie genre during the '90s because it felt like Friday the Thirteenth and and Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street had had done ran its course. So we needed new terror in the horror movie genre and, and Candyman brought just that. Number four, Child's Play. The very first one. The Good Guys Doll. Ladies and gentlemen, who would have thought that a doll would bring terror to one little boy? Andy. True story, the county fair here in my city every summer had a, uh, a like a little game where you could win prizes. And the course, you know, was always the basketball, the one that I like to play, the basketball game. You might step up, make a shot, get a prize. They had a nerve to put a good guy's doll as a prize. Now, remind you, I had already experienced one traumatic event in my life with 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 uh with horror with a with a ghost now you torment me with chucky the good guy's doll lo and behold i made the shot and the guy asked me did i want a good guy's doll i said uh, uh no sir no thank you i'll, I'll what else you got besides that because i'm not taking that thing home with me he says well you got i give you a little stuffed animal i was like uh I'm really not into stuffed animals unless you got a lion. Well, we don't have lions. We have cats. I'm like, okay, the cat it is. 
Child's Play, to me, was a different movie. How could something that small do that much damage to human beings and terrorize a little boy? If you've ever seen Child's Play, I recommend it. They rebooted the movie a few years ago, and it's pretty good as well. But Chucky is a sinister little boy. Was a grown man trapped inside of a doll's body. The spirit, I should say. And there was, I think, five movies. Because they had three. And then they had The Seed, The Bride, and The Cult of Chucky thereafter. And then they rebooted Child's Play itself. And then they had a couple more movies. Spinoff movies. But Chucky is one of those horror movie characters. A doll with orange hair and a... and these this this sinister laugh it just like when you see it, it's like uh, get away from me again child's play was one of those movies that came out during my the er, my early childhood in the 80s and i can remember watching that every almost every year but nevertheless that's my my top four my number four number three friday the 13th jason Voorhees. Camp Crystal Lake. We all know the, the story of Jason Voorhees, the, the plot. A kid that was a social misfit was pushed into the into the lake and he drowned while everybody watched and the counselors didn't try to save him. He comes back to haunt the, the counselors at Camp Crystal Lake with a machete. What's the golden rule Throughout the, the movies. For the counselors. You never want to be in the woods. With your with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And out there alone. In the dark. You never want to do that. And for me. That was. Jason was more of a. He was more of like. Someone that you really couldn't defeat. But the only way you would defeat him is. Is put him near water. That was his weakness. But that franchise went out for forever, it felt like, because there was, like, Jason takes over Manhattan, and then it it kind of got silly after the, the first two. It kind of it got silly, because I think Takes Manhattan was in 3D, if I'm not mistaken. One of them was in 3D, and that was, it was like, man, this movie has not run its course. Let's just, you know, stop where it's at, but being the popular horror movie character that he was Paramount just kept making them they just kept making them because it was it was a it was a box office success but there come a point in time where you have to stop but little Snowville Hollywood has to keep this thing going and they did until all the way up until uh Halloween or Friday the 13th or Jason X when Jason was in space that was probably the dumbest one of the of the whole series was the, the was that was that one in particular. Number two, Halloween, nineteen seventy eight. The night he came home, Michael Myers. Michael Myers is one of those horror movie characters. That mask alone is still popular. It's been. One of those movie franchises that has done fairly well. 
Michael Myers to me is, I see him, it's like, man, that's a big dude. And how he's been portrayed over, you know, throughout the franchise. And, and I think it finally come to an end with this last installment of Halloween Kills. I mean, hopefully this is it. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is a genius. This this movie was basically uh, a movie uh, ahead of its time. I I believe that John Carpenter did this movie. It was it was pretty good because back then horror movies were starting to be a little bit more entertaining with different plots. All the graphic effects, the special effects were original. I think that's what made the horror movie genre stand out, you know, over 30 years ago. And it's come a long way since, but I like the old school movies. The new ones are okay. I just really can't get into them because it's kind of boring to a sense. At the same time, it's what's popular because all the, this era of moviegoers, that's what they live for is the CGI and all the technology. I like the old school stuff. Give me some, give me something that's going to make me say, ew, and like, you've got to be kidding me. And Halloween was just that. Any horror movie that was made in that era, I loved. With the exception of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I, I will not watch it this very day. Or The Exorcist, I would not watch that one either. Those are two, probably two horror movies that I refuse to watch due to my my spiritual beliefs. I Those are two movies I won't watch. But Halloween. Michael Myers. Number two. And finally. The number one movie. Horror movie of all time. I'm going to go ahead and cue the music here. To introduce. My all time favorite horror movie. Get it here. And. Here we go. All-time favorite horror movie. You guessed it. A Nightmare on Elm Street. 1984. The house that Freddy built for New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema was an upstart independent film company that was looking for a movie to help launch this, this company. The great legendary late Wes Craven was a mastermind behind this movie. Robert England, aka Freddy Krueger, terrorized the movie theaters and what was ushering a new era in the horror movie genre. Separation of fantasy from reality. This movie in general redefined the genre, period. It was cutting edge effects. Everything about the movie kept you on the edge of your seat. It was such a box office success that it spurned, or it, sp it, ro it, ro it rolled off five sequels, including Final Nightmare and Wes Craven's New Nightmare which was the last of the Nightmare on M Street uh, as the last movie. Wes Craven gave us terror that we hadn't seen before. The reason why I say that is 
Wes Craven did something that was inspirational because if you really watch the very first one, Freddy is a bully. He was a normal human being to a certain extent until he turned into a a child murderer. Well, the backstory behind that is, as we watched through, you know, the very first one, he was let go of by technicality because the police officers didn't read him the Miranda rights when they arrested him. So, the parents took matters into their own hands and burned him in the old uh, boiler warehouse. So, out of revenge and redemption, he would take their kids from them for what they did to him. So, the inspiration that Wes Craven had for this was a kid that he got picked on as... And when he was in school, he got picked on by an, a bigger kid. But the flip side of that is he did some research and there was some some stories, accounts from way back when of individuals who were on ships coming to America and they fell asleep, but they didn't wake up. That's where the nightmare concept comes in. Then you add in a bully a menace to, to terrorize, you know, the Springwood uh, Elm Street kids and bring and wreak havoc. The movie also stars Heather Legendkamp as Nancy, the late John Saxton as uh, Nancy's dad, a very young Johnny Depp as Glenn, uh, Nancy's boyfriend. You've got your typical jock. You've got your good girl. You got the it's one of those movies that came out in 1984 that couples during that era wind up at the movie theaters to go see. And I'm sure that the drive-ins were busy as well. So, Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first one, is my top horror movie car- uh, horror movie of all time. Freddy Krueger is my favorite all-time horror movie character. This movie, in general, this fr- this this franchise, a fun, crazy story. It took me forever to watch one movie all the way through. I, I kid you not. I was I was scared watching it because of the 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 burnt skin and the makeup and you know razor claw and you know it's just you knew there was terror on the horizons. Whenever you saw the girls jump roping and that whooshing sound and that nursery rhyme. That was your warning for destruction. And for some reason, as a kid growing up, I was I was terrified of that. I too was afraid to go to sleep because I was afraid I wasn't going to wake up. You know, and my mom always used to tell me, it's just a movie. Yeah, I mean, try to explain that to a child. It's just a movie. And I was terrified. As I got older... And finally made up in my mind. And I was in high school. I said, you know what? I'm going to watch one from start to finish. I thought, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I can do this. Well, the rest is history. Because I now can watch any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Without a problem. Without any hesitation. So, nevertheless. 
Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, my all-time favorite horror movie. And that is all the uh, horror movie top, all the horror stuff that we have on our deck for our show today. Now we're going to get to the week eight trick-or-treat picks of the week. Some games have already been played, or they're being played right now. Okay, here we go. First game on deck has already been played, which was the Denver Broncos and Jacksonville Jaguars. For some strange reason, I picked the ja- uh, not the ja- I picked the Broncos in this game. I don't know why I did, but they won. They won today. They did. Because after Russ threw that interception, I thought, well, this this is game is about to it's about to go south as usual. The Broncos are gonna fall flat on their face. But maybe getting away from Denver was a good thing for them to get away f- from home and you know play in Wembley. But the highlight of the of the whole week was Russell Wilson doing knee highs, stretching and all that on the flight from Denver to to London. <laughs> I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the jokes write themselves. But, you know, Nathaniel Hackett survives for now. He survives right now. That's not to say they won't fire him within the next two or three weeks. The Broncos won. They got a much-needed win in the worst way possible against a bad team and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I did take the Broncos to win that game 21-17. That's the score that I had. Alright, my beloved Dallas Cowboys playing the the Chicago Bears. The game is currently being played right now as we speak. And it's probably just about ready to conclude. The score I have right now on my sheet was 45-10. to 10. The day was already halfway there before midway through the second quarter. So... I'm sure they done racked up at least 14 or 17 more points in order to cover the, the score that I have. Because there is no way that you tell there's gonna tell me that this Dallas offense was gonna was is going was going to come out and strike first early and often because I felt that was gonna be the appetite for success was to make the Chicago Bears play from behind. Which they likely probably did. Because I, I there's no way that the Bears are going to Rush for 243 yards against this Dallas defense. I I don't I didn't see that that wasn't gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. But the score I do have is Cowboys 45, the Chicago Bears 10. Moving on to the next game, the Atlanta Falcons versus the Carolina Panthers. Whoever wins this game has sole possession of first place to the NFC South, a very bad NFC South. Atlanta's been in some games. Carolina surprised everybody and beat Tampa Bay 21-3. I'm taking the Falcons 27-23. And which is going to be a close game, but in the end, the Falcons are going to pull away. Moving on to our to the Dolphins and Detroit Lions. To a second game back, they've got the, the offensive firepower to defense is pretty good. Detroit has number one score in offense. But they had the 32nd ranked score in defense. That's a no-brainer right there for me. 
I took the Dolphins, 34, Detroit, 27. Minnesota hosting the Arizona Cardinals. It's a 12 o'clock. It was a 12 o'clock start for Kirk Cousins. We do know that during 12 o'clock games, Kirk Cousins is pretty good. But if you had to play at a 325 or Sunday night or Monday night game, he's terrible. But I did pick the Vikings to win because the Cardinals are... They're coming off of an emotional win over the New Orleans Saints. DeAndre Hopkins made his return back to the field. The Vikings are just clearly the better team and better coached. I picked the Vikings to win 35-28. Moving into our late afternoon games, which will be starting here shortly. The New York Jets. J-E-T-S Jets hosting the New England Patriots. I took the Jets over the Patriots because the New England Patriots are likely not making the playoffs. Bill Belichick is yet to win a playoff game without Tom Brady. Brady's already won a Super Bowl without Belichick. But that's neither here nor there. The Jets are flying high right now. The Jets are better than the Patriots defensively. Offensively is equal, but like I said, Sauce Gardner is as good as advertised, ladies and gentlemen. He is that he is going he is a premier young quarter in this league and, and a, as a rookie. Give me the Jets. 31 to 20 over the New England Patriots. Another game that's get ready to conclude. The Battle of Pennsylvania. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Versus the reigning number one seed right now in the NFC. My NFC East division rival, which I hate. The Philadelphia Eagles. This The game was being played in Philadelphia right now. It's probably getting ready to wrap up. I won with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers need a win in the worst way possible themselves. They really do. And... I picked the Steelers in spite of. I'm a Cowboys fan. I do not like the Eagles. I really don't. You you, you should know this by now that I am not a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike Tomlin needs a very, he needs a statement win. The Eagles are flying high, but they're coming off their bye week. They're still celebrating their homecoming game over the Dallas Cowboys, which is over two weeks ago. They were still riding that momentum. Did you have a parade for that homecoming victory? Did you get a, a trophy for winning? You know, winning that game. Did you get it? Did you did you get cookies? Did you have a special on your Philly cheesesteaks? Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. 29-24 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Moving into our second half of the day. The Tennessee Titans on the road to take on the Houston Texans. Malik Willis will have his first career start today against the Texans. This game will probably go back and forth. This game to me feels like a Derrick Henry, um, 
They're, they're running back from Houston. This feels like a running back show. Malik Willis is going to give this Titans team some juice. The Titans defense is going to be all over Davis Mills. I like the Titans in this game to get the win and stay atop of the AFC South. The, the Texans are in a rebuild mode, but they've been in some games. They've been in some games, and I think that's a testament to a team that's not quitting or taking plays off. But you can see a team that's it's competitive and whatnot. They got their only win against Jacksonville so far, but Tennessee's coming in. Derrick Henry, Robert Woods, Malik Willis is getting his first start. The, the, give me the Titans. The Titans will win this game 31-27 over the Houston Texans. Another game, which is, it's more of a trick game because I went back and forth with it. Matt Ryan will not be playing in this game. Sam Ellinger is the quarterback starting for the Colts. Taylor Heineke is playing for the Washington Commanders. The Commanders beat the Packers last week. The Colts got embarrassed by the, the the Titans. This is a game that could spell the end of Frank Wright's tenure in Indianapolis. I do applaud him for coming out this week and you know telling the truth and you know saying telling pretty much saying that the Colts did not hold up their end of the deal for Matt Ryan. It took a lot of bravery and courage to admit yeah we're we we're, we suck right now and yeah, i know what we promised you and we haven't done our end of the deal but i think the commanders will win this game i'm taking the commanders in a close one i just think that the skill positional players for the commanders with scary terry mclaurin and and gibson uh the defense is decent, but it's not great. I think they'll do enough to get by. I'll take the Commanders at 28-24 over the Indianapolis Colts in what could be Frank Wright's last game as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts after today. We shall see with the next 48 hours what happens. The next game we have a very interesting NFC West clash. We've got the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Inglewood, California to take on the Los Angeles Rams from SoFi Stadium. The, the 49ers have a lot of injuries across the board. They really do. No Debo Samuel. The defense is, is doing all they can, but what's been the main problem with this 49ers team offensively? Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw last week that the 49ers offense went stagnant in the second half. And they just gave, I wouldn't say they gave up, but Jimmy Garoppolo did Jimmy Garoppolo things. They got beat by the Kansas City Chiefs during the during the course of the game. Kansas City scored 44. But this game today it's going to come down to the coaches and the quarterbacks. 
The Rams are coming off their bye week. It's going to be a home game for the 49ers in SoFi Stadium. I believe that the injuries are going to be too much to overcome for San Francisco. I believe the Rams will win this game. I'm tanking the Rams. Lo and behold. If Debo was playing today for the 49ers, I would give them a, a legitimate chance. But there are no Debo Samuel. Jimmy Garoppolo still your quarterback. Christian McCaffrey played in the second game as a San Francisco 49er. Give me the Los Angeles Rams to get back to their winning ways. 27-17 to 17 over the San Francisco 49ers. Moving on to another game which is a trick that I went back and forth with. The Seattle Seahawks hosting the New York Giants. The Giants playing the second of their back-to-back road games. Playing in the Pacific Northwest. This is a game that's going to be interesting. I really do believe that. Geno Smith has looked like a quarterback. Kenneth Walker is, it looks like he's going to be a cornerstone player for this team moving forward. The defense is kind of starting to get a little bit better. Pete Carroll, uh, a veteran coach. I, I it, it, this was this this game could go either way. Can Daniel Jones play a mistake clean football game? I see the Giants losing today, their second loss, because I think when it boils down to if you have to rely on. Daniel Jones to make a play with his arm. He's going to throw an interception or an incomplete pass. I will take the Seahawks to win this game and stay in first place in the NFC South. 31-23 to over the New York Giants. To the... Let's see here. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to the New Orleans Saints today. This is a no-brainer for me. The Saints are just clearly bad. The Raiders are starting to ride it in the right and going in the right direction. I like the Raiders more than I like the Saints in this game. Devontae Adams well should cook Marshawn Lattimore. The Saints defense is terrible. It's not what the it's not what we thought it was going to be. The quarterback carousel between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston is not working. You only have Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas is it, it feels like his better days are behind him right now. But since he's since that ankle injury, I like the Raiders in this game. I really do. Give me the Vegas Raiders. 31 to 23 over the New Orleans Saints. Jetting down to our Sunday night game. This is going to be a treat for me. The Buffalo Bills are hosting Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football. It's in Buffalo. Bills Mafia. There's going to be a lot of shredded cheese on the state on the field tonight. 
and I mean a lot of shredded cheese. It's going to be a nice platter of buffalo wings with shredded cheese melted on top. It's going to be a beautiful night for Buffalo. Josh Allen, my pick to win MVP. Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in football. This Buffalo defense with the addition of Von Miller is paying dividends right now. The secondary is a little spotty, and hopefully Jadavius White comes back here soon. I trust Sean McDermott more than Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a bad game. This is a game that Buffalo is going to jump out all over Green Bay early. Aaron Rodgers will, I think that all of us are going to be waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers says after the game tonight for his, his media session. I think it's going to be a blowout. I believe it will. I believe the Buffalo Bills will shred the Green Bay Packers and send them back home with more cheese than what they came in there with. With that being said, give me Buffalo 40 to 21 over the Green Bay Packers. To our Monday night game, our Halloween trick or treat game. Woohoo! Eat some candy for me, if you will. We have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Cleveland Browns from. It's a road game for them in Cleveland. No Jamar Chase. He's out with a hip injury. I expect T. Higgins to step up, Tyler Boyd, and they run the football with Joe Mixon. Try to contain Miles Garrett. Please do. The Browns are. They're not the team I thought they were going to be. I mean, Kareem Hunt's about to get traded this week, and he's likely going to a contender, whoever that may be, whether it's Buffalo, Philadelphia, a team that's in a, is getting ready to go for, you know, make this final push to be a title contender. The Browns are, they'll do Cleveland Brown things. Mark Cooper will have a nice game for the most part. David Joku, the tight end, he'll have a nice game. But in the end, it's the Cleveland Browns. I trust Joe Burrow more than I do Jacoby Brissett. With that being said, I'll take the Bengals. 34-23 over the vision rival Cleveland. To our Thursday night game, week 9. It's a short week for both of these teams. The Texans will host the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm taking the Texans in an upset. 27-21. Cuz there's the Eagles are going to be feeling themselves and the Heat's really going to start to creep in as if they can stay undefeated. They're bound to lose one of these two games either to Pittsburgh today or Houston on Thursday night on a short week in which they'll have to travel. I think Houston gives them a run for it. I think Houston will run the ball on Philadelphia. And I think that their defense would do enough to keep Jalen Hurts in this high-potent offense in check. Because if there's one thing the Eagles will do, they will overlook their opponent. Because they're still celebrating beating Dallas. And they'll probably celebrate that game until December 24th, whenever we meet again in Jerry World on Christmas Eve. I am taking the Houston Texans. 
27-21 over the Philadelphia Eagles. That is all of the nightmare on Chaotic Street that we have for today. I hope you enjoyed this show. As always, make sure that your mental health is in a safe space. Make sure that your mental and your spiritual, physical, and intimate health is all in a safe space as well. Please stay safe if you take your children trick-or-treating. Kids, stay together in groups. Make sure you have flashlights. Parents, please make sure you're checking the, the candy bags to make sure that there's nothing wrong with the candy in general. Just everybody, stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I'm going to call it a day. I am going to log off out of here. And I'm going to leave you with a little treat of a very a very interesting individual that I that has been a big impact in the horror movie genre himself let us go ahead this is all of the chaos for today i hope that you have enjoyed my show i will see you all next week be sure to like share comment subscribe to the content on the grid sports podcast network be sure that you check out the rest of the content as well from our uh, content creators and most importantly Stay safe. God bless. Until next week, we are out of here. And I'm going to leave you with the great Vincent Price from the the closing seconds of Michael Jackson's Thriller, which happens to be my favorite Halloween theme song of all time, favorite music video of all time in general. I leave you with Vincent Price. Have a good day. I'm out. Peace out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.